0: Okay, Life Point. I am glad that uh, you're watching this morning, especially on this day as we celebrate Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus entered into Jerusalem uh, on a donkey. And that was significant because that donkey represented Him bringing peace. In his day, a general who would go to war would get on a horse and ride out of a city. But then after they conquered that that enemy, they would come back in the city on a donkey. In essence, bringing peace. And today, we celebrate Palm Sunday because we have a God who has been victorious over death and he chooses not to bring chaos into our life, but rather peace. And that is what we're going to talk about today, how you and I can be at peace, how we can be at rest internally and externally. We live in one of the most affluent places in the world. In Collin County alone, there are 31 Fortune 500 companies, and so, That translates out into work, work, work all the time. In fact, we like work more than we like enjoyment. And because of the affluence that we have, we go, go, go all the time. We have become addicted to adrenaline. And so we don't know how to slow down, to be at peace. I love how Job describes this out of Job chapter 20, verse 18. He says, they are unable to relax and enjoy anything they've worked for. Today we're going to take a look at another aspect of God. We're going through a series called Walking with God Through Uncertainty out of Psalms 23. I mentioned at the beginning of this series that when you are going through an uncertain time, it is important to focus in on that which is unchanging. So it brings stability in your life. And there is only one thing that doesn't change, and that is God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same from one generation to the next generation. And we've looked at two aspects of God so far out of Psalms 23. We've taken a look at how God is a good God. We've heard that saying, uh, God is good all the time, all the time God is good. God is unchanging in that. And from that quality of God comes another aspect of God that is unchanging. And that is, he is the source of everything that we need. So we don't need to worry. Today we're going to focus on the fact that our God is a God of rest. And we're going to learn how you and I can relax where we can be at peace, where we can be tranquil internally and externally. Psalms 23, one and two, says this, the Lord is my shepherd so I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. I want you to write this down. These pictures represent internal peace, rest, And external peace, refreshment. God wants to bring tranquility into our life. Just like on Palm Sunday, 2,000 plus years ago, he didn't ride in to create chaos. He rode in to create peace. Now, I want you to circle this phrase, he makes me. Has God ever made you lay down for your sake? How about this Crisis that we're going through worldwide? Is it possible that God is wanting us to to learn how to slow down in our personal lives, in our marriages, with our families in this uncertain time? Is it possible that God wants us to slow down so that we look up and we can see the blessings that God has given us? that it might result in peace within us. When you and I are going 100 miles an hour, doing this and going there, life becomes a blur. It's only when you and I slow down that we're able to see the blessings that God has for us. So what I'm saying, in order for you to see God's best, you and I, have to be at our best. Will you write this down? To give God your best requires rest. If you don't have rest, you're going to be stressed. Oftentimes the difference between being blessed and being stressed is is rest. It's absolutely amazing to me how oftentimes with one good night's sleep, I can go from stressed, just only seeing chaos, to being blessed and seeing all kinds of blessings. Now, have you ever seen a kid resist going to bed, but in seeing them, you knew they needed to? What is that a sign of? Of immaturity. Now, I say that because I need to confess this. When I write a message, oftentimes I think, if it doesn't resonate with me, it's not going to resonate with you. And I have to confess that these last few weeks, I have been frantic Running here and running there, trying to transition our church from a traditional model to a virtual one. And I have resisted being at peace or at rest internally and externally. And I share that because, folks, I need this message. And I'm sure as a result of everything that we are going through with this coronavirus, you need it as well. We need it in order to see the blessings that God has for us. And in order for that to happen, folks, we need to be at our best. Now, I said rest is oftentimes the difference between being blessed and being stressed, that it is a sign of immaturity. But what we see in Scripture is that God rested. On the seventh day, he rested from from creating the universe and our world. In the Gospels, it says that Jesus rested. In fact, he was described as the Lord of the Sabbath. If you and I are going to be spiritually mature, where we are at our best for God, so that we can see his blessings, folks, we need rest. How do you and I do that? How do you relax in who God is and what he wants for us so that we can be at our best so that we can see his blessings? Well, in order to answer that question, we have to understand why that might be the case. And the Bible gives us a lot of different answers of why. I am just going to focus in on five of those so that we can possibly identify that which is driving us to not relax. The first one might be this, misplaced identity, basing my worth on my work. One of the reasons why we have a hard time relaxing is because we confuse our work with our worth. We confuse our net worth with our self-worth. We confuse our valuables with our value. In other words, if I don't work, then guess what? I must not be worth anything. This is a huge issue, possibly for, for many of us, because in the last two weeks, 10 million people have applied. They've applied for unemployment. But to think that just because we don't work... Uh, is and don't work don't have any that we don't have any worth is a myth from our western culture your significance has nothing to do whether you work or you don't work now solomon the wisest guy in the world said this out of ecclesiastes 10 15 only someone too foolish to find his way home would wear himself out with work now that's pretty frank don't you think He's saying life is more than work. Work is important, yes, but work is not everything. When you and I have a misplaced identity, we think that our worth is tied up with our work. And folks, it's not. The second thing it might be materialism. Always wanting more. You see, when I have more things, then I have to make more money. And in order to make more money, I have to work longer and harder to make it. And so, I don't relax. Again, Solomon talks about this in Proverbs 23, 4 and 5. Do not wear yourself out trying to get rich. Have the wisdom to show some restraint. Your money can be gone in a flash as if it had grown wings and flown away like Eagle. In other words, he's saying, you can lose money. I mean, would any of us here want to uh, talk about our 401ks right now? Okay, Be a perfect example of this. In essence, he's saying, whatever you do, don't put all your effort and energy in trying to acquire things that you could lose overnight, It has been my observation over the last 40 years of ministry that we spend the first half of our life sacrificing our health in order to gain wealth. And then the last half of our life, we sacrifice our wealth in order to gain health. This past week, uh, we we as a nation spent $2.2 trillion, half of our wealth to regain wealth our health. Jesus says this. Watch out for it. Take a look at Luke 12, 15. Watch out and guard yourselves from every kind of greed because your true life is not made up of the things you own no matter how rich you may be. Misplaced identity. Materialism. The third possible cause Could be envy, wanting to be like other people, trying, in essence, to keep up with the Joneses. Folks, this causes us to spend a lot of time on unnecessary things that we really shouldn't be giving ourselves to. We see that our neighbors, I mean, they have their kids enrolled in five extracurricular activities, and so we think, well, guess what? Uh, We're going to be better than the Joneses. We're going to enroll our kids in six extracurricular activities. Just because of that, we drain our resources, our personal energy. Why do we do that? Because we've chosen people that, To model that maybe we shouldn't have modeled our lives after. Watch who you're modeling. Now Solomon spoke of this envy thousands of years ago. In Ecclesiastes 4 verse 4. I have learned why people work so hard to succeed. It is because they envy the things their neighbors have. He's saying, whatever you do, don't try to be like everybody else. Uh, uh, We got to go here. We got to go there. We got to get this. We got to get that. You see, by doing that, we might come to the stark realization, you know what? We've been following the wrong model. The fourth reason why people have just a hard time relaxing and experiencing this peace, internally and externally, is because of valuing achievement over relationships. Now, as a man, I, I pretty much know this, that we men are not good at this. I think we, we in a lot of ways, are more prone uh, to this than than women are. However, we all can experience this, where we put going and doing over everything else as and over other people. I'm sure we've all known people, have we not, who all they did in their life was go, go, go all the time and do, do, do all the time. And as a result, maybe they lost themselves in their career and they lost a relationship. Here's what Solomon says out of Ecclesiastes 4, 4, 7 through 9. Here's another thing I've seen on earth that makes no sense. Some people don't have any kids or family or even friends, yet they work obsessively, never taking a break. There's no end to their toil, and they're never content with what they've done or earned. They never ask, why am I always working to do more? And why don't I let myself enjoy life? And who cares? Who, who, who will get what I leave behind? What a senseless and miserable way to live. You're better off having someone to enjoy and share the rewards of your work. God did not put you here on this earth so that you and I just mark off things from our to-do lists. Folks, he put us here to love, to love God and to love other people. When you and I get to heaven, he's not going to ask you, hey, did you accomplish all of your goals? Did you get everything checked off on your to-do list? No, he's going to ask you, hey, tell me about your relationships. Did you get to know what kind of God that I am? That I'm a good God. That I'm a God of, uh, that is the source of everything that you need so that you don't have to worry. That I'm a God who rests. In fact, I rested and enjoyed what I had created. Have you gotten to know my son? Have you gotten to know others in your relational world? Did you score any home runs in your relationships? Oh, you only only scored home runs on your to-do list? Wrong answer. You see, God says, I've put you here first and foremost to learn how to love. And folks, you and I can't learn how to love until we go deeper with others. This is is why we don't relax. Misplaced identity, materialism, envy, wrong value system. A fifth reason, possibly, why we don't relax is insecurity. When I'm afraid, I won't have enough. Howard Hughes, who used to be one of the richest men in the world, was once asked this question, what makes a person or a man happy? And he said this, just a little bit more. And that is a cute little answer, but guess what? It's just not true, because a little bit more is never enough. We've always heard the saying, have we not, when is enough enough? The answer is never when you're insecure. You can't have security when you can lose what you have. Solomon in Ecclesiastes 6-7 said this, uh, this is really good. We work to feed our appetites, but meanwhile our souls go hungry. Does that sound familiar? I'm so afraid I'm not going to have enough physically, uh, uh, financially, materially that I am going to give up my soul. I'm going to give up going deeper spiritually with God. I'm going to give up going deeper With others. So, what does God instruct us to do? In Psalms 127, verse 2, he says this It is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, fearing and worrying that you won't have enough. And let's read this all together, let's read this out loud. For God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. Proper rest internally and externally. How do you and I do that? How do you and I relax in uncertain times? How do we learn a more sane lifestyle, a more balanced lifestyle so that we are at peace and we can see the blessings that God has given us how do I live a more restful life versus a restless life well let me show you the five antidotes to these five things right from the Bible if you want to relax in uncertain times you must trust your shepherd. He is a good shepherd. As Psalms 23 says again, the Lord is my shepherd. He is a good shepherd. So I have everything I need. He is the source of everything. He makes me lie down in green pastures, rest externally. And he leads me beside quiet waters, refreshment, internally. That is a picture of peace. If you are following Christ as your shepherd, God is not going to lead you into chaos. He is going to lead you into tranquility and peace, into rest and refreshment. How? Number one, by helping you remember your values. This is the starting point of sanity. This is the exact opposite of basing your worth on your work, your value on your valuables, your self-worth on your net worth. Oftentimes when we meet someone, maybe for the first time, we ask them, who are you? And they respond with an answer by telling you what they do. As if what they do is their identity. That's not true. If you want to calm yourself in a crisis, you need to remember your value to God. Which raises the question, what is your value to God? How can you know what that value is? Well, by remembering these three things. The Father made you, the Son died for you, and the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Father created you, and God doesn't create junk. He made you for a purpose. He made you to love you, and he made you unique. You are one of a kind. A one of a kind is far more valuable than a duplicate. Jesus Christ died for you on the cross. No one dies for something that is worthless. And then the Holy Spirit lives in you. Anything, if you had a person who was a famous person live in your house, my guess is when you bought it, it costs more because they lived in it. The God of the universe has chosen to live inside of you so what's my point simply this will you write this down it's not what I do that gives me worth but who I belong to so what if I lose my job what if I'm one of those 10 million these past two weeks that filed for unemployment does that make me unworthy not at all Why? Because your worth isn't tied up with whether you work or you don't work. Your worth is tied up with who you belong to. Now, this is a major theme in our culture today, because not just because you may have been um, laid off, okay, and that you filed for unemployment, but because you now have to stay home. Why? Why? Because you have been labeled as a non-essential. Now think about that. As you sit in your home and you hear that on the news, non-essential personnel need to stay home, it can begin working on you in your mind. I guess I'm not that important. So I guess what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to prove my worth. And yet, it's that thought that I'm a non essential that drives restlessness within, that causes us to paddle the stream up or paddle the boat upstream. No, you don't have to do that. You are already valuable because the Father has made you. The Son has died for you, and the Holy Spirit lives in you. My kids are valuable to me, not because of what they do, but because Cheryl and I created them out of love. We love them, and we created them. God says you're valuable because he created you. James 1, verse 18 says this God decided to give us life through the word of truth so that we might be the most important of everything God has created. Will you circle that phrase? The most important. Do you realize that you are more valuable than the moon, than the Milky Way? than the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees because of this thing called love that the Father had for you. He thought of you before he made the world and because he loved you, he made you. One of the reasons that you have value is because God made you. But another reason is because you are a child of God. You are a child of the good shepherd. You are one of his flock. You have, you, you have not only been made by God, but he has included you in his family. I love this verse. He has done this because of his son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross. And in Isaiah forty nine sixteen, it says, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. When Jesus was nailed on the cross, God permanently tattooed his hands, his side, and his feet for all eternity to communicate to you, I love you this much. When people oftentimes love someone so much, they will put a tattoo on their arm or somewhere on their body signifying, you know what? I love this person. I love you, Mom. Well, I would want you to know something. <laughs> when you get to heaven, you're not going to have that tattoo. You are going to have a glorified body. The only person in heaven that's going to have a tattoo is going to be Jesus. And he is going to keep those scars on him for all eternity so that you and I know that we are loved by God that much. So, right now, I know this might seem weird, but I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes. I can see through this computer screen, okay? Just, just bow your head and just close your eyes. And I want you to think this thought. Father, help me to feel loved by you. Jesus, help me to know how important I am to you. Holy Spirit, Help me to feel how loved I am by you. Do you feel it? Folks, it's easy to understand these things, but in a time of uncertainty, we need to feel it. Open your eyes. The second thing, the antidote for materialism, which is always wanting more, is this enjoy what you have. If you learn to enjoy what you've already got, you're going to reduce the restlessness within. Now, this is called contentment. Contentment, I would have you know, isn't something that comes natural to us, it is unnatural. But it is something that we can learn. Philippians chapter 4, 12 and 13 says this. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I am well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. Learning contentment means that I don't have to have this incessant drive to go, 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 go all the time or get, get, get all the time. Is it possible to become preoccupied with not going and not having that we don't enjoy what we do have? Sure. Materially, I say it like this, we buy things we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people we don't even like. And after we have those things, we don't even enjoy them. When it comes to going and going all the time, uh, uh, we go, 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 go to get to that destination. As soon as we get there, we really don't enjoy it because we're plotting how we need to go to the next thing that's happening. Solomon speaks to this again. In in Ecclesiastes 4, 6, a little food eaten in peace is better than having twice as much earned from overwork and chasing the wind. That's going and going. He's saying it's better to have a little peace. Why is that? Because the greatest things in life are not things. It's interesting to me, and I've talked with a number of people who have had emergency surgeries during this, I don't know, shelter-in-home situation. And one of the things that they have expressed to me was this, that they couldn't be with their loved one in the hospital. Interesting that they weren't talking about whether they could get to Costco or a Sam's or, or to the grocery store, what, what their greatest concern was that they couldn't be with the person that they loved. When you and I get to our deathbeds, I guarantee you this, we will not be wondering whether our premium, platinum, big box credit card store is, has expired or not. No, we are going to be asking, where are my friends and where is my family? And we will be realizing at that point in time that life is all about love. I just wonder if we could learn that lesson a little earlier than that. If we could, folks, it would reduce the restlessness within and without. And we might be a little bit more content with those that we are actually with. In Ecclesiastes 9.9, it says, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. Enjoy it with your spouse. In Ecclesiastes 3.13, it says, all of us should enjoy what we have worked for. It's God's gift. I love this out of the the message in Matthew 6, 31. Jesus said, what I am trying to do here is to get you to relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Resting. Outwardly and inwardly is a sign of trust. It's a sign of maturity. Remember your value. Enjoy what you've got. Number three is this. Limit your work to six days a week. Now, I think this is particularly important for those who work at home, especially during this time. We need to limit our work to six days a week. There is a command of the big 10 commandments that say that you and I need to take one day off a week. If we don't, we're breaking the 10 commandments. <laughs> right up there with adultery and, and uh, lying and stealing and all those other big commands. When you and I don't do that, honestly, we are breaking the fourth commandment. In, in Exodus 20, 9 through 10, God said this, you have six days in which to do your work. But the seventh day is to be a day of complete rest, internally and externally, dedicated to me. Will you circle that phrase, complete rest? That is called the Sabbath. And here is a simple definition for the Sabbath. Will you write this down? A day of rest. Did you know that your heart every seventh day beats differently? It does. God has wired us to rest. I work out 6 days a week. Run 6 miles on my elliptical thing and I bike about 18 or about 8 miles on the, uh, every day. But one day a week I just rest cuz my heart has was built for that. And God stated this not for his benefit, but he stated it for our benefit. Jesus in in Mark 2, 27 said this, the Sabbath was made to benefit man. It wasn't for God. Though God rested, he modeled that for us, and he wants us to follow in his example. And if we do, we will be spiritually mature. But he did that for our benefit. So what do you need to do on your personal Sabbath? Sabbath that one day a week? Well, you need to do three things. First of all, you need to rest your body. You need to take some time off, like I described for myself. I work out six days a week, but I take one day off and I just rest. Secondly, you need to recharge your emotions. How do you do that? I say through quiet solitude. For myself personally, I do that by looking at birds. I love to watch birds. I've got some things set up in my backyard where I just sit back and I just, I kind of watch the birds. What's interesting though, is that when my kids could come over, they would come over and they'd see me watching the birds, say, Dad, what are you doing? I said, I'm just watching my birds. And they would say, Dad, only old people do that. And I said, thanks, you must think I'm young. But really, I'm older than what you think, okay? But you can also do that, not just through quiet solitude. You can do it through recreational activity. And one of the things that I've noticed during this uncertain time is people just out walking in my neighborhood that I have never seen my whole life. And I've been in that neighborhood for two years now. People walking with their spouses. People walking with their kids. It is a way to uh, recharge emotionally. And then the third way is just by refocusing your spirit. How? Through worship. We're going to do that this Thursday, uh, on Holy Thursday, as we come together and observe the Lord's Supper And like Marty said, you're going to need to get some bread or some crackers, and you're going to need to get some juice. If you have wine, (laughs) guess what? It's okay. Just don't drink the whole bottle during that that time, okay? But we're going to come together as a church, and we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. And it's not going to take long, maybe five, ten minutes, as we sing a song and as we take the elements together. The fourth thing that God says about rest and refreshment, of having peace within and peace without, is I need to adjust my values. Why? Because to reduce restlessness within, you're going to have to change the way you think about what is important. And the question that you're going to need to ask yourself is this. Will you write this down? What is really important. Much of the restlessness that we have is because we run, run, run all the time. Run, run, run internally. Run, run, run externally trying to keep up with the Joneses. Jesus gets to the heart of of this, the the heart of adjusting our values in Mark 8, verse 36, where he said, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? After Easter, we're going to talk about soul. I'm going to unfold that for you because the, the psalmist talks about it. But God says, hey, are you willing to go after all those things and forfeit your soul? But God, look at all the stuff I have. He would look and he would say to you, that's great. But have you forfeited your soul in the process? Have you forfeited the depth of your spiritual relationship with me? Have you forfeited the relationship with others, with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends as you pursue it? Have you forfeited your relationship with your neighbors? I want to encourage you right now. If you are sitting with someone, or even if you're not, you can email them. But if you're sitting next to them, or whether you email them, communicate this. Just say this to them. I love you more than than stuff. I love you more than stuff. With my wife I tell her, honey I I, I not only love you more than stuff I adore you. Folks, it's okay to slow down and give attention to those things that we know deep down inside are more important than other things. Go deeper with God. Don't forfeit your soul. Go deeper with others. Don't forfeit those relationships. The fifth and last thing is this. Exchange my restlessness for God's peace. And the picture of that peace, again, is Psalms 23, 1 through 2. The Lord is my shepherd So I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures, external rest, and he leads me beside quiet waters, internal refreshment. That is a picture of peace. Let me close with two two portions of Scripture, Matthew 6, 26, and 30, to help us understand this. Jesus said, look at the birds in the air. In fact, we talked about this last week. Now that I think about this, this bears repeating nevertheless. Look at the birds in the air. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. And you know that you are worth so much more than the birds. You cannot add any time to your life by worrying about it. And why do you worry about anything else? Look at the beauty of the wildflowers in the field. They don't worry or overwork, but God takes care of them so, that, so you can be sure that he will clothe you too. If God cares for you more than the birds and the flowers and the trees and the moon up above, how much more does he care for you. He did not describe himself in that sermon on the mount as the father of flowers and the father of birds. He described himself as your heavenly father. You are special to God. You can't make God love you any more than he already loves you, and he can't, and you can't make God love you any less than God already loves you. God loves you period. You are special to God. But here is the deal. You cannot, you and I can understand that. And we do. I think all of us do. We understand, oh yeah, God loves me. I know that. The question is this. Do you feel it in your heart? Have you dropped it from your head into your heart? Sure, you know about Jesus. Folks, we are coming into a season where everybody's going to know about Jesus because it's Easter, and it's easy for us to know about Jesus. The question is this, have you dropped him into your heart where you feel his love for you? That is the key to peace. It is the key to rest internally and externally. Take a look at this. Out of Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Jesus said, are you tired physically? Are you worn out mentally? Are you burned out emotionally? Come to me. As your life coach, I want you to learn the unforced rhythms of grace so that you can live lightly and be at peace internally and externally in uncertain times. And Jesus says, if you and I will come to him, And if we will do these things, if we will remember our value to God, if we will enjoy what we already have, if we will limit our work just to six days a week, if we will adjust our values, and if we will exchange our restlessness for God's peace, God says he will give us this. Will you circle the word are and remember? Will you circle the word E in enjoy? Will you circle the word L in limit? Will you circle the word A in adjustment? And will you circle the word X in exchange? God says, if you and I will do these things, In times of uncertainty, by establishing a relationship with him, dropping him from our head and to our heart, you and I can relax. Now, before I pray for us, I want us to pass the basket, like I shared last week. (laughs) We pass the basket at the end of the service and though we can't do that physically, you can do that by texting 73256 and typing in LifePoint Church one word. So why don't you do that now? And then I'm gonna pray. And if you need prayer, you can email us at care at lifepoint. Plano.org and we will get those prayers and we will correspond with you if we're not even doing it now live so that you know that you're being prayed for. We are here to meet your needs. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our good shepherd That you are a God that is here to meet our needs. And that you are one who leads us not into chaos, but into peace. You came to bring peace into our world. You came to bring peace into Jerusalem. Your people, the capital city of your people. And you have come to give us peace where we might be able to rest. Where we might be able to relax and, and be refreshed internally and externally God we thank you for that gift that you want to give us in times of uncertainty and right now I don't know where you're at spiritually maybe you've had thoughts of of God of Christ I mean you've thought about him a lot you've even said oh yeah I know Jesus But you've never really dropped him from your head into your heart. And in these uncertain times, you recognize that now. Will you do that? Will you drop him from your head into your heart? By just simply saying this, God, I admit, I admit, God, that I have been one who's been running, running from you, doing this and doing that. But right now, I'm stopping and I'm dropping you from my head into my heart, thanking you that you died on the cross for my sins and I'm committing my life to you right now. Thank you for the forgiveness that I have in you. Thank you that I can now begin, as I understand your word, have peace with you and peace with myself, and peace with others. Will you let me know if you've made that commitment? I'd love to send you some literature. God, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.